Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, 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 and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. Today's episode, I'm going to be talking about three mistakes I hear parents of picky eaters making. And what that means is it's not just like general mistakes, but specifically things that I hear parents saying to their kids that is actually setting them up for failure, not success. So we're going to dive into those. Um, But first, I want to say thank you to anyone who's here listening, downloading, um, leaving a written review to the podcast, sharing it with their friends. This is probably how you found this podcast is someone shared it with you. Maybe it was me on social media. Maybe it was a friend of yours, probably any podcast you listen to, you probably listen to it because someone gave you a recommendation or someone who you like, follow, trust, whatever, told you to listen to it. And so with that being said, I would love it if you took a minute and sent this episode or another one of my episodes to a mom friend. I just know how powerful and helpful this podcast can be. And so I want it in the hands of parents and to help them along their feeding journey. And I just can't thank you enough for helping me do that. So thank you so much. And with that being said, let's go ahead and dive right in. Now, if you've been following along on my Instagram, you might have seen a few of these. I've been trying to post a few things here and there related to this on my Instagram, some reels. I don't know. Instagram just becomes this like kerfluffle is my current word. I'm pretty sure that's from the Grinch of things that you might want to see, you might not want to see, you wish you saw, maybe stuff in, in your feed that you don't know why it's there. Maybe you catch some of my stuff, but not all of my stuff. Whatever it might be, the podcast is a really great place for me to go a little bit deeper on some of the things I share on Instagram anyways. So it's a really great place for us to catch up and keep in touch weekly and go a little bit deeper onto some of these topics. And if you haven't seen my Instagram in a while, you can go ahead and click over there. You can save me to your close friends. You can like my posts so that they show up more often, or you can just come to my page every so often and binge the content that you haven't seen, obviously not with stories, but with at least reels and posts. So with that being said, the first one I want to talk about is a quote that I hear parents say all the time. Do you like it? And this is so natural for us. When we see our kids try something new or try anything at all, it's so easy for us to get their opinion on it right away, right? And this is what adults do. This is what we do amongst ourselves. Maybe you bring out your husband for a date night and you have him try a certain food that's kind of new to him or something that you really like, you've loved. And you're like, well, do you like it? Like, what's what's the verdict, right? And it can be so intriguing and exciting for us parents to see our kids eat something we want them to eat and they actually take that bite and then we immediately want to confirm that they like the thing that they just tried so that hopefully they now know that they like it so they'll eat it again right like they finally took that bite of broccoli or they finally ate whatever it might be or maybe they tried quiche for the very first time or potatoes whatever it might be and we are excited that they actually ate it and so we want them to commit right we're like hey um we saw that you looked at that food so would you like to marry it now like it's all of a sudden just this huge jump of hey commit you maybe have been battling this or asking them to try something for a really long time and they have finally taken your advice and tried it and we kind of want to 
in a nice way, right? Like this is a very loving thing to do. Support that decision in being like, hey, do you like it? Because we want you to realize and recognize that this is the thing mommy's been trying to get you to eat for months. You finally took a bite and I can tell that you like it. And so now I just want you to commit, right? Verbally commit that you like it so that you'll eat it again. And sometimes this is just like the art of conversation. My husband and I always joke because... I try to be really intentional with my words, which makes sense because I'm a podcaster and on Instagram full time and I I don't know, all these things. And he just like talks for the sake of talking. And I'm like, why would you say that? And he goes, I don't know, the art of conversation. (laughs) He says that to me all the time. Whereas I try to be a little bit more intentional with maybe what I'm saying. And so I know that sometimes we say, do you like it? And we don't even really look at what that intention is. Like, why did I just say that? Why did I just ask that? We don't necessarily know why we said it. It's just something we say, right? We're just the art of conversation, trying to relate to our kids, trying to talk to them, whatever it might be. And it's just a good reminder that we can, there is a way for us to be intentional at the table, right? There is a way for us to be intentional and support and encourage them to try new foods and have space to change their mind, have space to try things, to say no to things. But when we try to make them commit, like, hey, yes or no, it's actually not a good strategy and it sets them up for failure. All right. I have to ask, do you feel like you're stuck on repeat asking yourself, what should I make for dinner? Or maybe you dread hearing your family ask the same thing to you every day at 3 p.m., which brings on the frustration remembering that every time you spend your time making dinner, it ends up getting ignored or even worse, going in the trash. Do you feel like you're on the verge of just giving up and making chicken nuggets every night until they turn 18 and move out? I feel you. But if that's you, then I want you to meet Picky Plates, your new best friend in the kitchen. It's created by me, a mom of three who also just happens to be a dietitian and picky eating specialist. We are here to help you take the guesswork out of feeding your family. Each week, Picky Plates serves up meal plans that are both kids and adults will love. And no, we don't just give you the recipes. We pack in helpful tips specific to each and every recipe to turn even the pickiest eaters into excited eaters. You can finally make one healthy meal for your entire family and have a strategy each night to get your kids to actually eat it. And there's more. Join Picky Plates now to unlock our exclusive bonuses, including a fail-proof lunch playbook, a quick guide to breakfast that take 10 minutes or less, and a mini course on meal prepping that'll save your sanity. And the cherry on top. When you join us now, you will lock in your price for life. So you can click the link in the description box below to start now because strong families are built around the table and picky eating has already stolen enough from us. All right, now back to the show. Either they people please and they say yes, even though they mean no, and they don't feel like they can change their mind later, or they say no, and now they've committed to a no, and now they will never try it again. We don't want that either. We actually just want space for them to try it. And so I would recommend if you can't, you know, be intentional around your words, around food, just don't talk about food at all. (laughs) Talk about anything but food. Just let them experience it. You don't even have to comment on what they are or aren't eating. And so really just take a step back. So try to avoid the, do you like it question, especially if they finally tried something that you've maybe been working on them. Now, again, this advice is for parents of picky eaters who struggle with their kids trying new foods. If your kid is an adventurous eater and they're trying new things and you're in a new country or you're traveling with them or you're going to a new place and they tried something unique, there's nothing wrong with asking a child to fee- to tell you if they've enjoyed what they just tried. There's nothing wrong with that. But if 
you're struggling with a picky eater who's pushing back, who's very selective about what they eat, this is a phrase that I recommend holding off on. I hope that makes sense. The second thing um, that I hear parents say to their picky eaters that I think is a mistake is you must be hungry. Of course you're hungry. You're going to get hungry. Your belly needs more food, whatever that might be. It's very common for us as parents to think we know how our little one is feeling, especially in the hunger arena. It's very common for us to say, oh my gosh, you must be exhausted. You must be so hungry. You must be blah, 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 blah. And although I can understand that, I know my kids what feels like inside and out, and I can basically dictate and figure out how they feel, how they're going to react to almost every situation. They very rarely surprise me these days. However, they still do surprise me. But I also just feel like I'm with them all the time. Every little micro movement in their eyebrow and their lips and their fingers and where their attention is and their posture and their body. Like, I feel like I can just read their mind, but I actually can't. Like, I have to remind myself of that sometimes. Like, A, like I just said, sometimes they surprise me. But then on top of that, I need to recognize that even if I can read their mind, even if I know what they're going to do next or what they're thinking or feeling, it's important for them to experience it themselves and learn how to cope, manage, try, whatever that next step is on their own because of their own internal workings, right? Like it's so easy, I think, as a parent to micromanage, for lack of a better word, everything in their life because we know how they're feeling and which way they're gauging and and kind of which way they're leaning towards and how they're going to respond to their sibling that just stole their toy or how they're going to respond to a stranger at the beach who just splashed them with water on accident or whatever it might be. We think we know. And this is true for hunger too. We have an idea or an expectation of how much our little one should eat, when they should eat, how often they should eat, whatever that might be. And when they don't meet that, we go, well, of course they're hungry. They're growing like crazy. They're growing like weeds. Of course they're hungry. They must be so hungry. We've done so much today. You didn't eat your breakfast. You didn't eat at dinner last night. And so it makes us feel like we know how hungry they are. And I just want to remind parents that no matter what we do, no matter what we count or pay attention to or track, we don't know how hungry they are. Just like no one can look at you right now and know how hungry you are. Even the person who knows you the best or the most in the world cannot tell you how hungry you are because that is an internal feeling. And so a lot of times as parents, we tend to believe or think that we can tell how hungry they are. And therefore that must mean X, Y, or Z. You have to eat this entire plate. You need to eat this. You need to eat that. We need to have a snack right now. And we have this idea of how they must be feeling. So therefore it dictates what we do next when in reality we don't. So the best thing we can do is actually teach our kids how to recognize and identify feelings of hunger and how to rectify it and how to manage it within our family culture and family dynamic of when we eat, how often we eat, what types of foods we eat, and all those sorts of things. A quick moment to thank the sponsor of today's podcast, Breastfeeding Blueprint, which is a self-paced course to help you reach your breastfeeding goals. It's created by my friend and fellow registered dietitian and lactation consultant, who I trust immensely, Brooke Miller. Plus, she is offering my listeners $50 off her course when you enroll using my code NFL50 at the link below. If you are looking for clarity and concise advice and help to help breastfeeding go smoothly, this course is for you. 
In fact, even as a mom of three, I still needed to reference her course a few times when I had mastitis, a clogged duct, and wasn't getting quite as much milk from my left as I was from my right. I was able to reference her course and get updated and clear information to help me avoid going on antibiotics or losing my supply. This course can help you get clarity on common questions like medications, alcohol, caffeine, teas, supplements, birth control, all while breastfeeding so that you can be confident that you are making safe decisions for you and your baby without compromising your supply. I cannot recommend it enough and you can enroll today by clicking below and using my code NFL50 to get $50 off. Okay, now back to the show. The third quote unquote mistake as this you know podcast goes on, I don't like calling them mistakes, but I know it's helpful for um, wording and kind of all being on the same page. But in that retrospect, the third thing that I hear parents saying to their kids at the table that maybe isn't the most helpful is, but you love this yesterday, right? It's so uh, intriguing. It's so tempting, I should say, to remind your kid of how they felt about this food yesterday or this morning or a week ago or at grandma's house when they tried it, right? And although this can be a helpful tactic, depending on the kid, depending on the environment, to remind them about what's in front of them, the way to do it isn't necessarily to tell them how they felt about it. The way to do it is to identify what the food is in front of them so that they recognize it. And this is why it's super important not to necessarily sneak foods in or trick them into eating foods because then they're not going to identify it and remember, oh yeah, mom put spinach in that smoothie that I loved so much. And therefore I like spinach. If we hide it in their smoothie, they have no idea that they like spinach when it's served with them on a spinach and artichoke chicken dish or whatever it might be. Like they are looking at that, like, what the heck is that? And it's not necessarily the most helpful time to be like, oh, that's spinach. That's in your smoothie that you love. Right. And so what we want to do is actually identify the foods that are in front of them while they're eating them, while they're enjoying them afterwards, before in the kitchen, whatever that might be. So that in those moments where they're presented with, let's say grapefruits again, and they loved grapefruits last week, they can know when you say, oh, that's a grapefruit. It's just cut a different way or it's slightly a different color, they go, oh, grapefruit. And now they can identify that they've had that food before and liked it. When we say things like, but you loved this yesterday, you loved grapefruit last week, we corner them. We just put them in a position where they either say, okay, I'll eat it again because I loved it before, which isn't true for any of us, right? Like some days I love listening to country music, not all days, right? Just because I loved it yesterday doesn't mean I love it today. I might have a different taste or a different uh, thought or vibe or mood or whatever it might be that I want something different. And so that's not always the best verbiage around it, or they then double down and dig their heels in and decide, nope, I don't like this, right? And so we're actually trying hard, especially with toddlers, not to get them to commit one way or the other. Again, we're creating a space for them to try new things, to say yes, to say no, to experiment, to recognize, identify, and work on those skills. And they can't do that super effectively when we are trying to tell them how to respond. In fact, it's kind of like my mom was a market researcher for a long time, uh, still is rather, and she was in charge of creating good questions. Good questions get good answers. Leading questions get leading answers, right? And leading questions don't actually get the correct research or the correct market feel for something or a product or a situation, it doesn't actually lead you to the answer that you want, um, or rather it doesn't lead you to the right answer. It leads you to the question you want. So if someone's asking you, well, hmm, blue popsicles are the best flavor. Do you agree? 
you kind of are put in a position where you either have to agree or disagree when maybe your favorite is red, but that doesn't make that the best flavor. It's your favorite flavor, right? And so if we're doing market research on toddlers or even us, and we ask open-ended questions that aren't leading, we're actually going to get a good answer, right? An actual true answer, one that we may not have even thought could be the possibility of an answer. If we ask leading questions like, you liked this just like me, right? Or if you say something like, man, orange juice has so many health benefits and it's a perfect way to start your day. What juice do you like to drink in the morning? It's like, well, I'm an idiot if I don't say orange juice, right? And so it's just this kind of idea of not leading them into what they want or what you want the correct answer to be and rather giving them space to play. Now, that doesn't mean helping them. You shouldn't be helping them with their language and and their speech and development and those sorts of things. And we certainly can try to articulate and kind of sportscast what they're experiencing, what's going on. And again, teaching them how to identify foods. We really just don't want to put them in a corner and make them choose. You probably have one of two types of children, one who agrees with everything you say and is more of a people pleaser and another one who is, I don't know, burn it all down, set it on fire, watch it burn, right? (laughs) I'm assuming we all have at least, maybe you have multiple kids, you probably have one of each. But in this retrospect or in this experience um, that we're creating with our kids, we don't want to put them in a position where they either have to agree or disagree or dig their heels in. And so instead, we just want to give them a a safe place at the kitchen table to try new things. And so that's what's really important when it comes down to how we talk to our kids about food. Anyways, these are three things that I typically hear as a picky eating dietitian out in the wild um, in general that are not necessarily the best ways to talk to your kids, particularly again with picky eaters. This does not say that this is horrible and you shouldn't be doing it. It just says, hey, maybe there's one small shift we can make today in how we talk to our kids about food and uh, give them that opportunity to recognize in themselves what they like and don't like and if they can try new foods and become more adventurous and have the space to do it. I hope this episode was helpful and I will catch you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.